Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Dr. Lynn to talk about the Phoenix Lights. For everybody listening, we're recording this on Saturday, February 20th, 2021, but not going to release it until March 13th for the anniversary of the Phoenix Lights. But Dr. Lynn, how about you please introduce yourself? Yes, I'm so excited. Thank you for for uh, letting me share Absolutely. the data because there is so much to the story and there's so much myths and disinformation out there um, that, uh, as we'll learn, I stayed anonymous for seven years after thousands of people were thinking maybe between 10 and 20,000 people saw what I had been actually not only witnessing, but documenting on film, 35 millimeter film Mm -hmm. as well as video. Uh, No one else has 35 millimeter that we know of that have been analyzed and authenticated by military and university optical experts. I've gone to extreme lengths to try to find a logical explanation. And we're heading to the 24th anniversary of what has become the most witnessed, most documented, most important mass anomalous sighting in in at least modern history, if not all (laughs) history. And uh, to give you a little taste, and then we can get into a lot more because as the story progresses, it keeps evolving. It's amazing how many new witnesses come forward, new information comes forward. Uh, In fact, I was just contacted by uh, the weather person at Luke Air Force Base, um, who also saw the mass sighting just a week ago. (laughs) This is how long it's taken for some people to feel brave enough or or, um, actually see it somewhere and we've had that too and we'll talk about that uh, on TV or someone talk about it and say wait a minute I saw that um, that many years ago but it really impacted people at such a deep deep level and as a, a scientist I've tried to be as scientific and as meticulous as possible with the data, uh, credible data uh, and tried not only to compile it and document it on film incredible way as well as a physician we have an MD uh, my background real quick um, is actually ironic because I dedicated my life's work to the education and dissemination of vital health issues to the community for over 40 years now and when this topic fell into my lap i had no interest or knowledge at all in this topic and you know after realizing that not only did i have really poignant photographs of these phenomena uh, that to this day cannot be explained or denied but that thousands of people so what I've been seeing, and then I find out it's happening worldwide and has been for centuries, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, as, as a physician and as an experiencer, I knew that there were many other people out there that have had experiences that are real to them. And even though most anomalies can be explained, only a small percentage cannot. But just because we don't have the technology yet to definitively define what these things are, it doesn't mean they're not real. Yes. And you'll hear me. 
that over and over again because um, there, there is so much to this story that is so amazing and fascinating uh, as it unfolds. And I'm going to get into that more today. But um, as a physician, I also wanted people to know that they're not alone. Even though most anomalies can be explained, people that have a paranormal experience, it's real to them. Mm-hmm. And if they don't share it, it festers yeah. and it's not healthy. So even sharing with one person, and I always invite people to either go to the website, Phoenix Lights Network website, uh, and contact me there or on Facebook, uh, message me. Just just sharing with one person is cathartic. Mm -hmm. It's healing. Mm -hmm. And certainly the experiencer, I know what that's like because I kept it inside for for Mm -hmm. many years. I mean, I did not want to come forward. But as an educator, once I pushed my whole medical career aside for seven years, searching for a logical explanation for what I had witnessed in photographs and then finding incredible data that I'm gonna share with you today, it became not only a 750 page journal because I kept an intricate diary every day of everything, but in good conscience as an educator, how could I stick it in a drawer? Mm -hmm. So ultimately I condensed the best of what I found into 230 pages called the Phoenix Lights, a skeptic's discovery that we are not alone. And it's now in its fourth print. And I always uh, welcome people and and actually recommend the ebook because it has colored pictures and and live links. um, So they can go off and and explore more if they they choose to. Um, But at any rate, to get to the story, if we can show uh, a few years ago, I had done an interview and so much more has come out since 2016, but it'll give your viewers an idea, kind of a, an overview of uh, the Phoenix Lights mass lighting. So if we can do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah. And before we jump into that, yeah, I want to, to tell people one, the movie is fantastic. I've watched the movie probably five times since we first spoke on the phone (laughs) in uh, last fall, including yesterday. Most recently, I watched and part of this morning. But it's well, I really appreciate that because the the movie itself, which I got together, and I'll get into that after uh, the book. um, I wanted to get something out there that was just a gentle overview. Mm -hmm. Certainly, the book gets into much more detail. um, But um, thank you for saying that because it is a a true grassroots dedicated effort, uh, not only by myself, uh, also Steve Lance, who was a cinematographer, and everyone that contributed. Um, We so appreciate that, that people came forward. Uh, witnesses and experts and um, you know it's kind of a jumping off point uh, for the rest of the story but um, this little video here if if we can play that um, from decades on CW um, will give you a heads up uh, about the Phoenix Lights can we play it now absolutely uh, you do, do it or would you like to do it um, let's see I can start it from here if that's on the one. on the first page of the OneDrive here we go Okay. Would you like me to play it? Dr. Lane? I don't think she can hear me. What's that? Uh, Would you like me to play it? Oh, you can't hear it? I was playing it on my end. Oh, no. No, no. (laughs) Okay. You go ahead and play it. That would be better. Okay. Would you like me to play all five minutes? Yes, please. Okay. All right. So for everybody watching, uh, we're going to switch to a video Dr. Lynn has sent me about the Phoenix Lights, starting right now. 
The sheer number of witnesses to the phenomenon that came to be known as the Phoenix Lights was unprecedented. Thousands of people were outside purposely looking up at the sky for a glimpse of the Hale-Bopp comet when they also caught a glimpse of these mile to two mile wide and some very credible reports. Either these orbs, these giant balls, these giant lights that seemed to be attached to something, but they couldn't quite see what it was attached to, or there was a force field in between holding them in rock solid formation or actual craft. People saw not only these mile wide craft go gently gliding right over their heads, rooftop level. Some saw it take off at blink speed. Others saw these orbs actually detach from the main object, go out into the environment, and then redock with it later. Incredible technology, to be sure. And one of the craft was said to have split in two and then shot up very quickly. And also, what was amazing was it was totally silent. That was what was really took people's breath away, because even when it took off at blink speed, it didn't even disperse the air. The most reported sighting was of a V-shaped craft that for three hours passed over the city at a very low altitude before veering off to the south towards Tucson. Two months later, a Phoenix City Councilwoman asked for an investigation into the reports. Her request was dismissed with a joke. After the meeting, I was told by one of the deputy city managers that I shouldn't have asked the question. And I thought, why? And he said, because the mayor did not want anybody to talk about it. Well, the mayor didn't tell that to me, probably because whenever I was told not to talk about something, I usually did anyway. So it was, it was just a very strange time, and I really got curious about what was going on. Over that summer, I talked to probably over 700 people and everybody told the same story. They all saw the same object. You can't get that many people to agree on anything. There was another stranger point that the witnesses all agreed on. Everybody said that they felt uh, kind of awestruck, amazed. Nobody was afraid. Nobody said they were afraid. Six months before the mass sighting, the movie Independence Day was big time popular. And we are so inundated with the threat, 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 harm, harm, harm scenario that how are people supposed to react when they see something that's really unusual? But as it came closer, a calmness over everyone, adults and children as well, a connectiveness to the phenomena that when it passed, children wanted to grab their parents to take them in the car and, and chase after it. Witnesses waited for an official statement and waited and waited. There was no investigation. There was no explanation for months, nothing. And suddenly, on June 18th, a USA Today article, front page came out and opened the story up to international scrutiny. We were deluged overnight after the USA Today article came out. Our former governor, Symington, called a press conference for that afternoon to reveal the culprit of the Phoenix flight. And everyone took it seriously. And here he marches out one of his aides in a giant alien head costume and made a mockery of the sighting, which was really disconcerting, especially for parents or were children that saw this thing that was larger than a giant, giant wall. And yet he's making a joke out of it. And interestingly, right after the 10th anniversary of the mass sighting, don't know why, but he came forward to bravely disclose that he actually saw one of the mile-wide craft. And in his own words, as a military pilot, it was otherworldly. 
Eventually, an official explanation was offered. The lights had been flares dropped by military aircraft on maneuvers. Witnesses remain skeptical. Right before the third anniversary, on March 7th, we get an announcement that three Air National Guards were coming into town to show everyone the Phoenix light, reenact the Phoenix light. And they started on March 8th, and it was a joke. Not only did they try to make a giant triangle which fell apart immediately, but it had the characteristics of flares. They had new smoke trails, they couldn't keep a formation. It really put the nail in the coffin for anyone that has seen the true unknown. Dr. Lynn Katai has continued to photograph and study anomalies in the Arizona sky and connects with other witnesses internationally. This has been going on since human documentation began. There is so much history of these same phenomena. Just because we don't have the technology to definitively define what these things are, doesn't mean they're not real. We may just be looking on the AM dial for an FM frequency. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the most insane part, is that not only did Fife Symington kind of make a mockery of it, well, not kind of, totally make a mockery of it, on top of that, he later came out, acknowledged it, and not only is he was the governor, he was a former Air Force pilot. And he came out and said, it's otherworldly, and I believe in your movie, he said, unless the Department of Defense tells us otherwise, I believe it's an alien craft. His words... Otherworldly, right? I mean, he, you know, that was a huge step forward. We'll get to that. But, the, you know, if nothing else, I and mean, the technology itself was mind boggling, which we'll talk about too. But um, as the story unfolded, the story itself of the Phoenix Lights, and you got a little smattering, and, it, and more has come forward since I did that in 2016 that we'll talk about. Um, but I, I want to go back, if I can to show everyone if, if who's out there can get on uh, the Phoenix Lights Network website, www.thephoenixlights.net and uh, look on the photo page. It'll give you more of an idea of what was happening and my involvement of it, if we can do that, okay? okay. So the first, the first picture on there actually is a topography uh, of... Um, our view now we live pretty high on a mountain in paradise valley it's called and phoenix is actually a valley that's surrounded by mountains all the way around and we're kind of nestled in a mountain that overlooks the valley and as you can see we can actually have a view of a panoramic view of the city skyline mm -hmm. as well as the mountains out there one is south mountain on the left that is just behind the airport sky harbor international airport and the other a few miles back are the Australia mountain ranges now there's a little story and i i don't believe in coincidence anymore and i'm going to get to those stories in a, in a second um but i just want to hone in on this picture for a second because if you look on the left bottom there you'll see a car on the road uh -huh. that's see the lights of the car reflect onto the road very unlike the true unknowns very significant that the true unknowns do not reflect out of the uh 
sides. I mean, they're just self-contained. And to the right of that car, you can see skylights on a house. Now, what's significant about that is that if you look straight up, you'll see where South Mountain and the Estrellas intersect. Well, um, keep that thought for a second because um, just as a little aside, which to me is a very important side of the Phoenix Lights phenomena, six months before the mass sighting, I was invited to present my substance abuse prevention education program and my programs on AIDS and teen pregnancy and substance abuse prevention have been distributed by Discovery Education for, for many, many years and award-winning and all that stuff. And they have one ha one schoolhouse there. And uh, the principal had some problems, so they don't talk to outsiders, but I got friendly with him and helped him. And after the mass sighting, which you're going to be seeing, and if you're on the photo page, you certainly can take a look at my unique collection and you'll see over and over again, these phenomena keep popping up right where South Mountain and the Australias intersect. Again, straight up from where those skylights are, okay? So I called him up after the mass sighting. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, since we have this picture up, I wanted to share this with you and your audience. And I said to the principal, you know, these the pictures keep showing that these phenomena seem to pop up right in that area because they're very sacred ground is in the basin in between South Mountain and the Estrellas. I said, is, did anybody see strange lights on March 13th? And he started to giggle. And I said, is that funny? And he said, are you kidding? I've been looking up at them. We've been looking up at them for centuries. They were looking up at them on March 13th, but they were looking up at them for centuries. They call them sky people, light beings. I had no idea. That was the first I had heard of it. And not only is it part of their culture and part of indigenous cultures worldwide that there are other intelligences out there even the hopi h-o-p-i and the gila is g-i-l-a but the hopi um actually have protocols to invite these intelligences in and he kept telling me that, that some uh some of the native cultures believe that these orbs which i'm going to get to in a, in a few minutes actually are spirit world our ancestors, they believe, that are coming to give them knowledge and comfort and um, inspiration. And all I can say is I've certainly been inspired to do this. I would never have chosen this topic, but be that as it may. He also said that the astray has got its name because the Spaniards of the day either saw these phenomena, these same phenomena, or had heard about the lore. And Estrella means star in Spanish, gateway to the stars. And they also believe that there's a gateway or portal in that area. So I'll just plant the seed there for, for anybody that's listening that that's a possibility. I'm a healthy skeptic. Uh -huh. I need to believe it. And now I'm going to tell you, what I saw, and it's not even a belief, it's a, a knowing, I saw it and I photographed it. Okay, in 1995, again, without any knowledge or interest in this topic at all, another little coincidence, it happened to be the eve of my birthday, my birthday's February 7th, I just celebrated it in February 6th, I was in another room adjacent to our bedroom. Now we're pretty high on, on a mountain, again, nestled in the, the mountain range, gated community, one of our walls of our bedroom is a window. 
So whatever pops up out there, we get to see whether it's planes or helicopters or smoke from a fire or they call the dust storms at Habib, Habub, and they we see them coming across the, the city. Um, so we're, we're, we're quite educated on, on what's out there. Anyway, my husband was at the window, big picture window, talking to my mother-in-law from, from back east. We're from Philadelphia originally. And... Um, he was on several boards, hospital boards and medical boards at the time, not one to be ruffled by much anything. And he sounded alarmed and he says, get over here quick. What the hell is this? And I grabbed my, my tail wringing wet from the tub. I was leisurely taking a bath in the other room and wringing wet. We're both standing there and a little below us, actually. We see three amber orbs. Now, again, I call them an orb because the light did not extend outside the edge. It was just mind boggling. It was like a pyramid, one on top and two closely aligned underneath. And coming from a video background, I wanted to run downstairs and get my video camera. But as other people that have experiences that are similar, they will tell you, they don't move. You're in awe, you're in wonder. You're And, and in my mind, I was thinking, I don't know how long this is gonna last. Let me take everything in that I can. It was that unusual. So I tried to take in the size, the shape, the color. They were about three to six feet each, depending on how close they were. They were oval shape, which is really interesting now because for anybody that's up on the history of uh, ufology at all and the topic, the Pentagon came forward actually in 2017 on a front page article uh, in the New York Times uh, divulging that Harry Reid had funded a $22 million study of pilot and um, military and government UFO genre. And the Navy pilots, the Nimitz Navy pilots have come forth recently in the last year or so with video and descriptions of what they saw. And constantly they're talking about the tic-tac or oval shape, which is amazing because what we saw outside our window is actually oval shape. I don't know if it's the same phenomena, but there it is. And the amber color throughout was a uniform amber color, it didn't glare at all. Every other light out there glared. These did not. They were very soothing, very mesmerizing, and they were just yards from our home. It was just mind-boggling. And I thought it were a very treacherous desert landscape, again, gated. There's no way, no way it was military. But at any rate, I think, hey, if I don't get a picture of this, nobody's going to believe it. And I go running to the closet to grab my 35 millimeter. I collect sunsets. And actually, if you're on the photo page at the Phoenix Lights Network website and scroll down to the bottom, you'll see two separate sunsets a month apart that have this giant rod-shaped, cigar-shaped object in them that I did not see when I took the picture, but they're in the 35 millimeter negative. But anyway, I go to grab this cheap Instamatic Canon camera that I always used, and my husband calls me back and he says, get over here quick, one of them is disappearing. As we stood there in utter awe, the top orb without budging from the other two underneath started to shrink very very slowly it's it's difficult to even describe in in logical terms like a dimmer switch um in fact we have two 
young boys at the time now they're uh, young men but the only movies we saw were close encounters and et and the original star trek series and if you remember uh the, if anybody used to watch that the romulan cloaking device used to waver before a cloak these did not this did not it didn't budge from the other two but it felt like it was cloaking that's the only thing i i can describe it, it was mechanical as if there was an intelligence behind it at any rate i jump out on the balcony there's a sliding glass door that's perpendicular to the big window and i shoot a quick picture of the two autumn bottom orbs and that's this picture if we can show the picture of the two block bottom orbs there and immediately noticed an eerie silence as if time had stopped it was just bizarre and going through my mind as i was intently watching these two lower orbs and i didn't share this with a soul until after the mass sighting two years later it sounds so absurd but it felt like something was watching me and going through my mind at that moment i was thinking who are you what are you do you know that i'm here i'd love to meet you the next thing i remember when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply the left bottom orb started to shrink and something told me to take a quick picture of that now i don't do you have that picture up there yes okay great go back to the first one of the two lower orbs because there's more a lot more to this story actually there's a lot more to the phoenix light story but at this point while we're looking at the pictures i'll share this with you if you notice there's an arrow looking at four lights in the sky do we see that yes Okay. Well, actually, it wasn't until a year after the mass sighting that I contacted Navy optical physicist, Dr. Bruce McAbee, very respected in the field in Washington, D.C. And we had another sighting in 98, and you saw the, the documentary, so you saw that sighting was incredible with straight lines and mirror images and a giant um, pyramid of, of three three lights again in the same location but at any rate um we had four different people actually document that sighting in 98 a year after the mass sighting from northwest northwest east and um south and i shot him off the uh the video of that asking him to please take a look and see if he could triangulate it and as an afterthought I sent this first picture and the last picture to him to tell me what the heck it was, right? Well, he gets back to me a couple weeks later and he says, you told me that close sighting in 95 was only a couple minutes. I said, right. He said, did you ask your husband about it? Can you confirm it with him? I said, actually, he didn't want to talk about it. It was very bizarre to me because to me it was wondrous and amazing and I got pictures of it. He didn't want to talk about it at all. He would get a little agitated when I brought it up. So I stopped talking about it. Everybody comes from a different background, different belief system, different upbringing, different worldview. Some people cannot deal with this topic. 
Some people don't want to, and that's okay. Some people want to feed into a logical explanation. If it gives them comfort, that's okay. Everyone in their own time. But now, of course, there's enough data that people can take a look at it and, and uh, educate themselves and grow if they choose to. Okay. But he didn't want to talk about it. And I told that to Dr. McAbee, and he said, well, you've got to confirm that the timing on this. And mind you, it was three years later. But I went back to my husband. I said, look, we're not going to talk about it. I just wanted to see if you remember the timing on it. He said, I don't know, two, three, four minutes tops. I went back to Dr. McAbee to tell him that. He said, that's impossible. I said, what do you mean? He says, first of all, and he was one of the first people to notice this, that the same exact phenomena, and we're going to get to this in a minute, that I would also document two months before the mass sighting on 35 millimeter and the signature footage during the mass sighting in the same exact location is there. And if you see on the bottom of that first picture, those skylights, they're appearing right where South Mountain and the Estrellas intersect and they're disappearing as the close orbs are disappearing. So if you go to that last picture, you'll see now there's two orbs right you got that yes well he said that's significant but now let's get back to the first picture he said the most significant thing and i i can't believe he even noticed this i certainly didn't he said is that the lights in the skyline groups of lights not just individual lights that were on in the first picture were off in the last picture, he uh -huh. says, that doesn't happen in a couple of minutes. He says, I'd like you to do an experiment, go out on the balcony. And of course, this is three years later, but he said, try to stand where you were standing in 95 and um, take pictures one, some every hour, then one night every half hour. I actually did another night every 15 minutes and see when these groups of lights go out. Long story short, he comes back to me and he said, can I please present this case at the upcoming MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, who I hadn't heard about, um, in Washington, D.C. And I said, hey, this is your baby, Dr. McAbee. I would have never noticed this data. Um, all I ask is that you keep me anonymous, which he was kind enough to do. And he presented the case and his 21 page report is on the Phoenix Lights Network website if anyone cares to look at it as the first if not only that we know of authenticated photographic evidence of missing time now i'm just going to again plant another little seed there because i can't even go there i didn't even share that with a soul until the second edition of the book i figured hey you know it's that and maybe it's important maybe it can open up the door to the possibility that time as we know it is primitive mm -hmm. past mm -hmm. present and future is our concept of time and you know hopefully we'll open up a door at some point it really hasn't gotten out there enough yet but i wanted to share it with your audience because it is pertinent data at this point okay <clears throat> so here we are back in 95 after this sighting and i didn't even know who to show these pictures to actually the only one that turned out at the time was a second picture which was pretty amazing because i happened to catch and they moved you can see that they actually moved but i actually caught one orb half disappeared and one still there but i didn't know anybody involved with the topic at all and uh pretty much kept it to myself but wondered 
what this advanced technology was doing right outside our bedroom window, right? Well, two years pass. Didn't see anything in the sky remotely similar to these close orbs. Now, I didn't even notice the far ones at the time because I was so concentrated on the close ones until January of 97. I'm lying in bed, and as I said, if we're in the bedroom, the window takes up one wall. So if there's anything that pops up out there, we usually catches our eye. And I see out of in the Northwest, three am, huge amber orbs in a line formation, equidistant from each other. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, they're in a line formation. They're hovering for minutes. They're amber color, even though they're at a distance strangely similar to 95. And I watched each one shrink similar to 95 right to left and they were gone mentioned it to my husband he didn't want to hear about it in fact he made a joke do i still have to go to work tomorrow and i just i it was like whoa you know will i ever find out what these phenomena are right well the next night he was at a medical board meeting and i'm in the bedroom and suddenly i noticed the same three giant orbs in an equidistant line are now in front of south mountain and i know that they were in front of south mountain because there's red blinking lights on top of the mountain to alert planes that are coming into sky harbor that there's a mountain there so they don't crash into it and i figured enough i'm getting my video camera so i ran downstairs grabbed my video camera it was charged i got about 18 seconds worth and the battery went dead i go in i charge up the battery stick it in the wall and i go outside they're gone this is about eight o'clock about 8 30 my husband comes up the drive and again we're pretty high up the mountain and i go outside and i said honey remember i told you about the three giant amber orbs far west last night well about a half an hour ago they were right in front of south mountain as i'm pointing like this they reappeared in the same spot it was like whoa i gotta get a picture of this and again i don't believe in coincidence anymore because on video doesn't do the lights justice in video they're much smaller they're white they flicker even though the formations are quite compelling once you really look at it but nonetheless 35 millimeter they're in the negative they can't be denied. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I grab my 35 millimeter as I get out on the balcony, I'm just ready to shoot the three. Suddenly six pop up over the three. It was really unnerving. And if we can go to that picture, you can see that it's a little wavy because I was shaking, not having an explanation for the 95 close sighting. This was so massive against the skyline. It was like, at least over a mile wide. Um, was it a mothership? Was it a fleet that was going through my head? But luckily enough, I kept on photographing. Because the second picture, as the three underneath start to disappear. Now, if we can have that picture with the five lights that looks like it's in a V, do we have that one? Yes. Okay, with two underneath there, yep. it looks like, right? Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay, thousands of people two months later during the mass sighting would describe the same exact thing. Five lights in a V formation with two trailing lights. This was January 23rd, 1997. 
I kept clicking away. And as I was doing so, the next one, you can see that another one on the bottom disappeared. Now there's one on the bottom, but it looks like the top formation is turning, right? Yes. And then the last one, and we've had these all analyzed again by um, university and military optical physicists, and it was postulated that this picture shows that everyone that's bigger is the closer arm of the V. Okay. And the ones in between that are smaller is the further away arm. So, okay. Is it, okay. So, is it something that is attached to something or has a force field in between? But I have to tell you, I didn't sleep that well. <laughs> <laughs> The next morning, I got up and I figured, come on, it's got to be a logical explanation for this, right? Yeah. I'm a healthy skeptic, but okay, got to gotta find somebody else that saw this. I mean, it was massive, right? So the night before, actually, as the three were disappearing from the bottom, I ran inside to call the Arizona Republic, which is a big newspaper here. And I said, you got to get somebody out there quick. There's strange lights in front of South Mountain. Get pictures of it and tell me what it is, right? By the time I finished my call, they were gone. The first call I made the next morning was to the Arizona Republic. And I said, did anybody happen to call last night to report strange lights in front of South Mountain? She gets off, she gets right back on. She said, nope, nobody called. Well, I know I called. Okay, so I said, well, <clears throat> I said, it was pretty strange. My husband and I saw the same thing. Uh, who can I call to find out what they might have been? She says, well, sometimes Luke Air Force Base sends off experimental maneuvers and they're outside of Phoenix. Uh, and they don't tell the public about it. And that sounded reasonable, but now it was a mission. Okay, I had to buy down. So I called them up. I tried to be very professional. My husband and I are both physicians. We live mountainside in Paradise Valley. We saw some strange lights last night in front of South Mountain. Do you have any idea what they might have been? And from the get-go, she had an attitude. And she said, well, they didn't come into Luke Air Force Base. They didn't come out from here, so we had nothing to do with them. I said, be that as it may, um, we did see something strange and I did get some pictures, but I, I'm just trying to track down what they might've been. And she said, well, you said they, they were near the airport, so maybe they saw something there. Okay, next step is calling the FAA to find out if anybody did see something there. Very nice operator, told her the same thing. She says, well, you know what? Let me check with the air traffic controllers and there are some that were on last night that are here this morning and see if they saw anything. She leaves me hanging forever. She gets back on. She said, well, actually, there were a group last night of air traffic controllers that did see something strange um, pop up over Class B restricted airspace. I said, is anybody there now? She said, yeah, there's a couple of them here. I said, please, can I talk to one just to confirm? that what we saw was real and whatever. And she said, well, let me see if I'll get on the phone. In the meantime, I met him subsequently, <clears throat> very low key guy. He gets on the phone finally five minutes later. He was more excited than me. He said, did you see those equidistant lights hovering in information last night at 8.30? I said, yes. He said, actually, there were three at eight o'clock. I said, I saw them too. He said, I can't believe you saw them at a distance because at three at eight o'clock when the three popped up, now you have to realize there's a 30 mile radius around the center of the airport. Anything that goes into that airspace, particularly at thousand feet altitude that these were, must call into the tower and no one did. So they got alarmed and they looked on the radar, didn't show up on radar, then they disappeared. 
when the six popped up at 8 30 they really were alarmed they looked on radar didn't show up on radar took their binoculars to look and in their own words there were six points of equidistant light totally equidistant massive span over a mile wide that seemed to be attached to something but they couldn't quite see what these lights were attached to which was also here two months later by thousands of people and he was a meteorologist and said the entire thing turned as a unit against the wind that's really important data elevated slowly and then moved in synchrony behind south mountain so i said so what were they and there was silence <laughs> and then he said beats me i said you're air traffic control you're supposed to know it's in our airspace they he told me they ruled out every conventional aircraft balloons chinese lanterns um even skydivers with with lights and and flares they could not decipher what these phenomena were we kept in contact <clears throat> up until and including march 13th now march 13th for me was just another day okay but not for thousands of other people that were looking up at the sky for a glimpse of the Hale-Bopp comet that was very clear in the northwest sky when they also caught a glimpse of these mile and something that came forward actually in 2017 after i did that decades cw report peter davenport the director of the ufo reporting center in seattle washington was in a panel with me in oregon for the 20th anniversary and he shared officially that one of the objects and he received thousands hundreds and hundreds of reports that one of the objects was eight miles wide which is mind-boggling <laughs> i didn't believe him at first but he assured me that and he has talked about it since then not only that and again there's so much missing disinformation most people will hear from the media that there were two events that it was only a couple hours well i'm here today to tell you there were many events starting at 3 p.m in the afternoon daylight sightings five o'clock hour in new mexico native americans reported the same thing seven to eleven o'clock hours in california they were witnessed and they, between 10 and 11 o'clock real really cool story and it took years for this pilot to get in touch with me she was afraid to contact me and she has not come forward publicly but she did lay out the whole story she left with 140 passengers en route to california from phoenix and as they got close to las vegas they noticed something a massive craft covering las vegas she called the radar tower and asked if they were pinging anything almost simultaneously another commercial pilot called to say what the heck is this covering las vegas and a very authoritative voice came on the speaker asking details about what they were seeing which kind of freaked them out and they said uh, you know what we were mistaken and you know we, we don't see it anymore and they left en route to cal to california <clears throat> they were thirty thousand feet suddenly and this is closer to the 11 o'clock hour suddenly they see a flare like a half a mile away this is 30,000 feet and they're wondering what the heck is going on 
almost simultaneously whizzing by them even closer. She said she almost jumped out of her seat was a military jet coming in the opposite direction. And she thought, whoa, what kind of message are they trying to send? She called her husband immediately and told him to lock the door and don't answer the phone. But at any rate, this happened at that time. You fast forward, okay, the sightings, even though the eight to 10 o'clock sightings were the predominant ones, because that's when most people were outside looking up at the sky and saw something strange. And, you know, some people saw gliding right over their heads, rooftop level, totally silent. These mile and larger, either lights that seem to be attached to something or actual craft. And if you go to the GAP page, GAP, Geospatial Animation Project, you will see a 12 year study of thousands of reports from the National UFO Reporting Center in Seattle, Arizona MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, as well as um, Phyllis Labs, which was a computer, huge computer lab near Arizona State University, which was the clearinghouse for many of the reports, as well as Councilwoman Frances Barwood. She was vice mayor at the time also of, of Phoenix. And she received not only 700, but even more than that and tried to call back everyone. So we're talking two or more people had to see the same craft to be in the study and the conclusion was now that there were 10 different craft. Now, whether it was one craft that could morph and look different or the perspective from where the person was standing or an actual parade, which is ultimately what the investigators concluded because as I mentioned, not only were there multiple things happening with orb formations, with different craft, but in different states as well, because we're talking New Mexico, California, Nevada, and Arizona, but the sightings continued. And actually after in the early morning hours, um, there were there was a pilot and his son who saw a um, actually a disc shaped UFO. So they were many different shapes. And it continued until 530 the next morning was the last report, the last credible report that I received personally from a crewman from uh, Boeing who said that his entire crew was coming into work at 5.30 and uh, a.m. to Sky Harbor International Airport and saw one of these larger than mile wide craft hovering right over their tarmac. Now at 3 a.m. actually, there was an alleged crewman from Luke Air Force Base. And we have some of that recording in the documentary so people can hear it firsthand because it's very impressive. He called the National UFO Reporting Center Peter Davenport, the director, and in great detail, very professional, reported that military jets from Luke were sent out to intercepting a gun camera film, which we heard that they did, of one of these mile-wide craft hovering right over Central Phoenix, 7th Avenue and Indian School at 8.30 that evening. And as they got close, talk about technology, as they got close, the lights dimmed and then the entire thing blinked out and disappeared. And he said he was one of the pilot, one of the people that helped one of the pilots out of his craft because he was so shaken up by it. And then Luke was on lockdown after that. And actually the weather girl who was on duty that night, who also 
actually saw the Phoenix Lights because she was getting calls and, and Luke said that they weren't getting any calls, but we have people that actually got the number for the National UFO Reporting Center from Luke. But at any rate, um, she just got in contact with me a couple of weeks ago and we posted uh, her report on the share page on the Phoenix Lights Network uh, website. But at any rate, we're talking incredible technology that we have not seen to date. Okay, number one, we're talking about massive phenomena that have no obvious propulsion system, totally silent. And even when people saw it take off at bleak speed, it didn't disperse the air. And as, as I mentioned in the uh, initial report, some people saw these orbs detach from the main object, go out into the environment and then redock with it. Is that possibly what happened for whatever reason in 95? Because the same exact phenomena was in the same exact location there as well in 95. I just leave that up to the observer, giving you the data. Um, also, there's one of the craft that actually split in two and shot straight up. I mean, the, the technology that people saw on March 13th, 1997 was so far advanced and again, we haven't seen anything like that. Like if we had any of this kind of technology, don't you think with the Middle East problems, with now, you know, we, the other problems worldwide, that we wouldn't show our adversaries that we have this kind of technology? That's a question I keep asking. So, you know, who knows who was driving things? I always say, people ask me, I don't know. I don't know um, what they were, but I know that they were. Yes. And it's time to get this topic out in the open. We address it. We accept it and we study it so we can move forward and not only find out who's driving these things, but move forward in our own evolution. Now, just recently, and I'm going to uh, hopefully share this with you now, because after the mass sighting, um, I didn't know what to do. Okay, I didn't know what to do with what I had. Um, the last thing I wanted to do was, was um, get involved with this topic. I didn't know anything about it. Plus, as you'll see, as the story unfolded, um, it was really amazing that uh, there was no investigation, no explanation at all, nothing. And, and, you know, if you really looked in the paper, it was like in section B in this little, you know, like the second or third page. Um, there were some TV people, and there was one guy, by the way, um, who was from Fox, who saw the craft himself. And he wanted to get to the bottom of it, and he did amazing, amazing reports. And I have uh, descriptions of those in the, in the book. But uh, other than that, I mean, it was really uncanny that something goes right over people's heads. Um, in fact, uh, Discovery Plus now is streaming um, a, a show called UFO Witness, and one of the witnesses that had contacted me is an RN who, uh, a nurse, who actually was standing underneath one of these craft and he watched as the, in the light, he could see it looked like lava to him coming down and then it would shoot up again and then it would start coming down. I mean, the descriptions were so amazing. And we have a pilot that's in the documentary who, who also described these giant canisters of uh, spinning energy. I mean, the descriptions are amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, as the story unfolded in May, innocently, Francis Barwood, the 
Phoenix Councilwoman Vice Mayor because so many of her constituents had contacted her asking her why there was an investigation, asked for one, and she was plastered by the media. I have to tell you, the ridicule, the discrediting that was going on, I was very happy to stay anonymous. I mean, that's that's was the main thing for me um, while I collected my homework. And, and if I can go back for a second, um, sorry to jump around, but I just wanted to go back to another little coincidence, which your audience may appreciate. Um, a couple weeks before the mass sighting, it was getting ridiculous. My husband was really, you know, the scientist in me, I had to go out and film these things and he was getting annoyed. So this is how close I was. A friend of a friend had a neighbor who had a friend who knew the past president of MUFON and who I had never heard of before, a mutual UFO network. And I called him up. I said, you know, I'm seeing these lights. He hadn't heard about it, but there were other people who were also not only seeing the lights, but documenting them on film. In fact, one of them, Steve Blonder, called MUFON up to his balcony the night of the mass sighting. And as they're up there waiting to see these lights, suddenly an arrowhead of five lights appeared, um, which is phenomenal. I mean, those lights are attached to something or have a force field in between. His video and my video happened before 10 o'clock. And at any rate, um, when I, I'm, I'm telling him this, that I'm seeing these lights and he hooks me up and I said, I, by the way, I have a picture from 95, which was the only one that turned out at the time, the second picture, that I would love someone of credence to take a look at. And he refers me to a field investigator for the following Wednesday, who calls me on Tuesday to say that the then state director, Tom Taylor, wanted to meet with us, but his mom had passed on Saturday. The funeral was Wednesday morning, could I postpone? And it was like, whoa. I am so busy for another two, three weeks, but I have a window of opportunity on Friday morning at 10. He says, fine. I knock on his door. He opens the door. The first thing he says to me is, did you see the mass sighting last night? And I said, well, I saw something similar to what I described two months ago. In fact, I called the air traffic controllers this morning to confirm that it was the same thing. And it seemed in the same location. And they confirmed that it was over class B restricted airspace and that it was the same exact phenomena. And I said, actually, I took video of it last night. I, when I first saw it, there were six lights that popped up and then it must have turned or something in there. By the time I got out there and focused my camera, there were the endpoints, three endpoints of a V or triangle. And I, I got that on video. He said, great, because NBC was coming to interview him in a half an hour. Well, like I said, my life's work has been community education. And I also worked with NBC in Philadelphia and in, this, in 76. And then a syndication grew from that that was showing here in 1980 in CBS. And then I did a health program at NBC here uh, in the early 80s and then USA Cable. And I said, hey, you know, somebody might recognize me. I don't know if there's a hoax or military or whatever, but it isn't about me. It's about the data and it's never been about me. It's about the data. And I said, you know, it would be great if people could see what we saw last night, take a copy and share it with whoever. In the meantime, I left <laughs> and at four o'clock that day, the next day after the mass sighting, I was sitting in front of my TV, waiting to see if anybody was even gonna cover it. 
and with the VCR there. And suddenly the news starts coming on in every news station. You know, now they have like breaking news was my video. <laughs> it was really exciting, I have to tell you, to know that people were seeing what we were seeing. By the nine o'clock news, a couple other videos came forward, the Arrowhead and also the Boomerang video, which I will get to because that one happened after 10 o'clock and has been under fire ever since 97 as being flares, which we will get to. At any rate, now going fast forward to May where again, I was very happy to stay anonymous while other people that were coming forward were getting blasted by the media with ridicule and stickering and jokes and all that kind of stuff. Okay, in the meantime, I'm doing my investigation and in keeping media as well as um, starting to talk to witnesses um, as Dr. Kitai, um, as well as uh, you know, see, learning the history I mean, the history of these phenomena, I had no idea that this has been happening since human documentation began. It's, it's unbelievable when you look at Sumerian writings and um, India writings and even the Bible, Ezekiel's wheel, and uh, how they describe these things in the sky, as well as you fast forward to the, to the um, 15th and 16th centuries, and we have frescoes and paintings of people standing on the ground looking up at the sky, and these things look like they're UFOs, even people in the UFOs or beings in the UFOs. And a hundred years before our mass sighting in 1897, I learned that it was actually a sighting in Kansas, California, Washington, and Canada of what they called massive airships with removable lights. Sound familiar? And actually, that was six years before the man, the Wright brothers took flight, okay? And then you fast forward to World War II, what they called Foo Fighters. And we show that in the documentary, Dr. Richard Haynes, who formed the NARCAP, which was pilot sightings, thousands of pilots have, have seen things that are unusual and have been threatened with their careers through the, through the years. And he confirmed that what my husband and I saw right outside our window, these rock solid formation of orbs was very similar to what they called Foo Fighters. Each side thought the other side had this advanced technology. And after the war, Germany and Japan and the United States tried to find out who had it and nobody could. Um, and then you fast forward again to the 80s and 90s, the Belgium and UK, actually Belgium is a model for what should happen. They got together after their sightings with civilians and university and scientists and military to try to uh, study these things and find out what they were. And we had uh, Hudson Valley, New York sightings that are similar, as well as Stephenville sightings. I mean, these are happening worldwide um, still today. People are seeing similar phenomena. So, you know, it blew me away when I started finding out that this is happening uh, worldwide for, for centuries. And certainly native cultures believe that these things have been here um, since human documentation began. In fact, there's what they call petroglyphs etched out drawings in the mountains right here. One of them, a fella, Jeff, found the orbs in a triangle formation, just like what my husband and I saw outside our window in 95. At any rate, Fast forward again to June 18th, 1997. Um, again, there was no investigation, no explanation. Suddenly, 
there's a front page USA Today article opening up our mass sighting, our extraordinary mass sighting for the very first time to people outside of Arizona. We did not have um, uh, social media then. And yet overnight it went viral. Not only were, I mean, we're, we're talking um, media from all over the world converged on Phoenix and, and it was on every morning show on Dan Rother, Peter Jennings. It was just mind boggling that, that it got out there so fast. And once the reporters talked to the witnesses, their stories were so detailed and so heartfelt that they too were asking, why isn't there an investigation? Why isn't there an explanation? And that very day, late morning, we get an announcement. This is June 19th, 97, that former Governor Symington was calling an unscheduled press conference for that afternoon. And everybody took it seriously to divulge the culprit of the lights over Phoenix. And he comes marching out one of his aides in a giant alien head costume, which um, was really disconcerting. I mean, I have to tell you that the people that saw the true unknowns um, were, were really, uh, you know, taken back by by the mockery. And um, it, was, it was really a sad moment, <laughs> I have to tell you. And, you know, he, he said um, that people were panicked. Well, you know, I'm here to tell you there wasn't one, and there still isn't, it was 25 years later, not one report credible report of harm, threat, or abduction associated with the Phoenix Lights phenomena. If anything, it was quite the opposite. People were in awe and wonder. I have had more people tell me that they feel blessed to this day that they had the experience. People got telepathic messages. I mean, it's there is so much to the story, but nonetheless, um, certainly uh, it, it touched people at a very deep level. So it was it was really, um, you know, not not nobody was panicked except the military and the government at the time, and they had to come up with something. I mean, they were we were deluged by media from all over the world. Whoever came up with this next explanation was brilliant, I have to say. Because again, the videos are much smaller, they white, they flicker. Um, and if you don't really study them, you don't notice how compelling the formations are. But nonetheless, I get a call because after that happened with Symington, I wanted to get down to the bottom of it. I mean, fine, if there is a, a, an explanation, a logical explanation, I'm open to it. I'm a healthy skeptic, show me. I called every military base and I have some of their conversations in the book, very comical actually, because I never told them what I had. I just mentioned that I had seen something and that I had taken some pictures and everyone wanted to meet with me to see those pictures. Plus, they were just so curious what it was. I had one fellow and I tried to get as high up as I could when I called, and there's four military bases here, um, say to me, well, whoever did this was God and whoever did this, I mean, that was his explanation. Okay, a month later, July 24th, I get a call from one of the heads of Air National Guard saying, oh, Dr. Lynn, um, I think we know what those lights were in March. I said, great, what were they? She said, do you believe in all these months, nobody ever looked at the log for visiting Air National Guard and the Maryland Air National Guard was in town sending off military illumination flares in Operation Snowbird, which I later found out meant diversionary tactical maneuvers, military diversionary tactical maneuvers, which kind of makes sense, even though that not one person described what flares do, 
when they send an off flare to divert attention away from the two unknowns, because keep in mind, they knew what was going on because their jets tried to intercept and there were civilians that saw this happening to intercept one of the craft over Phoenix at 830. At any rate, I said to her, well, when was the Maryland Air National Guard in town? She said, March 1st to the 15th. I said, were they in town in January? She says, oh, no. I said, are you sure? She said, absolutely not. I said, well, I said, you know, my husband and I saw the same thing and I photographed the same thing January 97. Plus, I contacted air traffic controllers the morning after and the morning after March 13th. And they confirmed that both times it was over class B restricted airspace at thousand feet altitude. And she says, you never told me that. You never gave details. I said, besides, you're trying to tell me, and I educated myself to anything logical, including flares that are dropped by a parachute that drift down haphazardly with the wind, have huge smoke trails that are illuminated by the flare itself and illuminate the area around it, which not one, not one witness to the true unknown described those characteristics to this day. I said, and you're telling me that something flares that cannot keep an affirmation, traverse the entire state in a rock solid, equidistantly spaced, mile wide B formation for hours? And she says to me, uh, I have a call coming in, I'll get back to you. Well, I'm still waiting. <laughs> okay. Another thing that was really interesting is the morning after March 13th, when I talked to the air traffic controllers, they also shared with me, which I thought was really poignant, that a commercial pilot on departure from from uh, Sky Harbor International Airport called in to say, what the hell are these lights over me? And a private pilot called in to report the same thing that I was filming at the same time. And I didn't know who they were, but even in my first book, when I finally did come forward after pushing my entire professional life, medical career, accomplished medical career for seven years, I do mention, because I thought it was important that pilots were reporting that they were seeing these things over class B restricted airspace on approach and departure. That pilot just came forward a couple years ago. And I, at this point, if we can show, um, I, I wanted your, your audience to know that there is a new show out there called UFO Witness. It just started streaming a couple weeks ago on Discovery Plus. And um, I got a little segment of it uh, to share with you. I think you would enjoy that. Uh, now, if we can show that. Is that on, is that on the, uh, the OneDrive? That's on... Uh, the, the what you sent me, what I sent you. Okay, yeah. And this, for the record, I, th I think I've set a record. This is the least I've ever spoken on a podcast because I've no, and, and that's, no, and that's that's the biggest compliment I can give because I never shut up, but I've just been staring and I forgot we were doing a podcast. I thought I was just talking to you. I was like, so no, that's I'd say that is the best possible thing ever. That is a compliment because I never shut up. I always have oh. to interject myself. So I say that as pure praise dr Lynn. Well, i'm trying to get a lot in at the yeah, you know while, while we can and also i guess you can tell i'm a little passionate about all i am this. i am thank you for bearing with me here no this is i i am a kid i truly am a kid in a candy store i am i i love this i i'm so happy sorry i'm i'm gonna start i'm starstruck now so it is um it's on so i'm going through the images okay so currently streaming on discovery okay I'll play this now, okay? 
Great, thank you. Become yep. known as the Phoenix Lights. Become known as the Phoenix Lights. I've been seeing these phenomena since March 13th, 1997. Among ufologists, the Phoenix Lights have become one of the most iconic UFO videos ever filmed. 20,000 citizens reported seeing the strange object pictured in Dr. Kitai's video. They described it as a mile-wide, triangle-shaped craft with six distinct lights. It crossed roughly 300 miles of airspace, with reports coming in from Phoenix to Tucson. And one of the witnesses turned out to be a famous actor. One of the private pilots happened to be Kurt Russell. I saw six lights over the airport in absolute uniform in a V-shape, and I reported it. And they said, we're not painting anything, we don't show anything. I said, well, okay, I'm going to declare it's unidentified, it's flying, it's six objects. That was the most viewed UFO event. Over 20,000 people saw that. Thousands of people? What's going on? It could possibly be, I think, the greatest mass sighting in, in our country's history. And you had a front row seat. I did. It's, That's it's, pretty cool. And I have to tell you that um, that show itself, UFO Witness, the whole series is pretty pretty darn good. The production value is very high. And um, this one set, uh, of the series, it's, it's episode five of the series, um, is really great. And the other witnesses that came forward and they compare it to another sighting that was very similar uh, years before in 71. I believe it was Michigan. Uh, that it, it is pretty impactful. Um, I have to say for anybody that does have Discovery Plus, you can also get it for free for a week if you wanted to watch it. It is streaming there. It's episode five, The Phoenix Light. So thank you for showing that. Anyway, um, to to kind of finish this off, um, as the story unfolded, and certainly, um, again, took me seven years to come forward. I finally came forward in 2004. was very, after much soul searching, I did not want to come forward. But again, as an educator, how could I in good conscience stick to that in a drawer and i squeeze the best of what i found in that 750 page journal to 250 pages and it keeps evolving they wanted me to write a new book in 2010 and i said no way that's happening the first book is too important every word is there for a reason and um so i just kept adding chapters and like i said the ebook uh, i recommend because it has color pictures and live links if you want to go explore further but one of the other impactful things that happened before i get into another road that this the phoenix lights took me to that i do get into in the book is right after the 10th anniversary of the mass sighting Suddenly, for whatever reason, bravely, I have to say, um, he was no longer in office. Our former Arizona Governor Symington came forward to disclose that he actually saw, he witnessed one of these massive craft. And in his estimation, I mean, they definitely weren't flares, obviously, but in his estimation as an awarded military pilot, it was otherworldly, which um, really set a new standard for the Phoenix Lights because here we had a uh, an elected official coming forward and being honest that he had seen something so phenomenal that he felt compelled after all those years to, to share it. And then, of course, recently we had, um, and if we want to show his interview, that's kind of fun to watch too. 
Clay Symington is now a businessman. He was the Republican governor of Arizona for six years, elected when the first George Bush was president. Now, a decade after leaving the state house, he takes me to a Phoenix park and discloses something unlike anything uttered by any other high-level U.S. politician. If you if you had been here ten years ago and standing out here and looking up there at the um, at the lights and the view, um, you would have been astounded. You would have been amazed. Governor Symington is referring to what is now known as the Phoenix Lights, an object videotaped by many and seen by thousands over several nights in the Arizona sky in 1997. Major sighting here. It was described by witnesses as larger than a football field and silent. It was a giant V, all right? And the right side of the V went over us. The went over us. The left side was like a couple blocks over it. I just didn't know what to do. You know, it was just like, my God, how big is this thing? The great state of Arizona, Fife Symington. The former governor, a Vietnam Air Force veteran, had never publicly acknowledged seeing it until now. And I suspect that uh, unless uh, uh, the Defense Department proves us otherwise, that it was probably uh, some form of an alien spacecraft. So why did he say anything then? Partly, he says, because he didn't want people to panic. I think as a public figure, you have to be very careful about what you say, because uh, people can have pretty uh, emotional reactions. And, and, uh, and I said my goal wasn't to try to stir the pot. And he went to humorous and controversial lengths not to stir the pot. He held a news conference after the Phoenix Lights to announce the mystery had been solved. And now I'll ask Officer Stein and his colleagues to escort the accused into the room so that we may all look upon the guilty party. Don't get him too close to me, please. <laughs> in the alien costume, the governor's chief of staff. Now this just goes to show that you guys are entirely too serious. <laughs> UFO enthusiasts were not amused, especially since the governor was believed to have seen nothing. <clears throat> now he's coming out. The lights were really brilliant, uh, and it was just fascinating. It, I mean, it was, it was enormous. It just felt otherworldly. You know, you're, in your gut, you could just tell it was otherworldly. Symington will be talking about this in an updated film about UFOs called Out of the Blue. He has also talked with an organization that wants UFO information more out in the open. It's very significant that someone of the stature of a governor would come out and say that they acknowledge that they experienced uh, a UFO um, because it brings a lot of credibility and strength to the case. Governor Symington says he did tell his family, friends and staff about what he saw early on. I still behind the scenes uh, tried to investigate it, but I got nowhere. So what were the Phoenix Lights? Well, frankly, we don't know. What we do know is that it's as much of a mystery today as it was a decade ago. Gary Tuckman, CNN, Phoenix. So that's pretty cool that he would he would do that. But like I said, uh, nobody was panicked, and that's that's where my uh, my next adventure started because not only did I find out that. Uh, people were being told telepathically not to be afraid, um, that no one was fearful. No one felt it was a threat. Um, if anything, they were just in awe and in wonder. But a number of witnesses shared with me that they had had near-death experiences as children that was reawakened by the mass sighting. And I was really taken aback because I did too. We won't have time to get into it today, but I lay it all out there in the book because I started thinking, wow, 
could there possibly be a connection between all unexplained phenomena, whether it's near-death experience, out-of-body experience, or unexplained aerial phenomena that has a mystical light associated with the experience? And lo and behold, just like with the UFO topic, I had no idea there was a plethora of credible information out there. There was with this topic too. In fact, there at the University of Connecticut, uh, Dr. Kenneth Ring wrote this four-inch book about the connection between all unexplained phenomena. Uh, Dr. John Mack, who was a psychiatrist, a Pulitzer Prize-winning psychiatrist at Harvard, was also writing a book um, uh, talking about this and, and others. And I lay it out very simply in the book uh, that not only is the experience very similar, whatever the unexplained phenomena experiences, near-death experience, out-of-body or unexplained aerial phenomena experience, but the after effect is so profound. The awakening, the enlightenment that happens within an individual that has one of these up experiences, the positive transformation. I started calling all unexplained phenomena an up because it is an up. People were feeling a connectedness to the universe and to the earth and to each other that they had never felt before. It's unbelievable when you really study that aspect, which I think is really important. Besides the American uh, indigenous cultures aspect, which is also a very, very important part of this whole picture. But that aspect of how it affected people at such a deep soul level that um, again, people feel that they've been blessed, that they were blessed to see such a thing. That doesn't happen with balloons and flares and helicopters and holograms and whatever. Um, what, whoever did this not only wanted to touch us one person at a time in a non-threatening, gentle way, but also to wake us up because people have awakened. People went into the peace movement, the environmental movement. Um, they really understood as astronaut Edgar Mitchell shares in our documentary that we are guardians of this planet and uh nothing becomes clearer than that when people have an up experience and um you know there are so much more to this story um but again the book is is in its fourth print um and i you know i i really recommend if anybody wants to really know the story of the phoenix light um it's in its fourth print and um uh, also, we have our documentary. This is the latest edition of the documentary. Okay. Um, yes, and we keep on adding. Uh, the, the bulk of the documentary is the same, but we keep adding to the bonus features, or else it would be five hours long. <laughs> um, and so the, you know, the, the, I mean, people have told me they've watched it, you know, a dozen times, but whatever, they get something new out of it. Uh, each time is a gentle uh, overview and it actually goes hand in hand with the book because there's people in the documentary that are in the book and likewise so you you get that feel for what they look like and, and sound like in, in person right yes yes <laughs> yes absolutely no it's it's i told you i've 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 watched the doc i'm not exaggerating when i say five plus times since we first spoke i believe in october it's i i love it it's not you know, it's it's not a it's not a fantastical Independence Day thing. It's just a very it's like what you it's just a bunch of level headed from all walks of life people. Like, hey, you know, I'm a baseball coach, but you know, I'm not an engineer. But even I know we don't have anything that's a mile wide. Like, it's just it's just very down to earth. It's what me or, or you, the listener, would think if you went out at night 
and saw something. It's not that it's a fighter jet that maybe you don't recognize. When it's a mass the size of a mountain, not making any noise, and you're just watching it go above. I mean, there's something, you know, excuse the pun, there's, it's alien. You look at it and you go, what is that? Now, that's it's very interesting, if I can interject here, because, um, you know, for the skeptics and the bunkers and all that out there, you know, they say right away, people say it's alien. Um, I've never said what they are. I don't know if they're interstellar, interstellar, interdimensional. I can say they're interdimensional because I saw that up close and personal, okay, myself. But, uh, or or um, if they're us. I mean, you know, I've, I've heard talk of a runaway society that, um, that we don't even know about. I mean, look at the, they call them USOs, submersibles, coming out of the ocean. I mean, there is so much. I mean, 70% of the earth are ocean. There is so many places where other intelligences, whatever they are, could be hiding or living or whatever right here with us. I mean, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to know, to tell you the truth. Um, the other thing that, uh, you know, I want to interject before we close is that, um, and these are all on, on Amazon. And by the way, you can watch Amazon, uh, you can watch our documentary for free on Amazon Prime, yeah. which is which is kind of kind of cool for those out there. Yeah, and for yeah. anybody watching it, go um, go leave a go leave a positive review, five stars. Leave a review. I did. It's it's legitimately one of the best ones out there. I haven't seen a better UFO documentary. That it's fantastic, and that does help with uh, visibility. Is is adding a review just. Say whatever. Say I, I watched it. It was great. I like UF. Just whatever. Just type something. It, it really does legitimately help. And I think it's important because, I mean, we're seeing, we're, you know, we're seeing in the last two years with Commander Fravor, the, the Tic Tac. We're seeing him go on Joe Rogan. We're seeing, you know, I'm wearing my sweatshirt. But, I mean, Bob Lazar going on Joe Rogan. The importance is, though, is is it's there's a beachhead sort of reestablishing itself in the mass consciousness of can we look at this and i mean spiritually can we look at it technologically whatever it is can we view it with some sort of maturity instead of oh it's you're a wacky alien you know whatever do you you know do you do drugs it's like why can't we just why can't we just look at this objectively and say hey you know we know that we send spacecraft out can we as adults, just like we look at a, a pandemic and go, hey, guys, uh, we, we need a vaccine or we can look at whatever and go, we need to, you know, why can't we look at this massive craft in our sky and say, hey, what is this? At the very least, we mean, the, the first baby step we have to take is to just start looking at it without rolling our eyes. And that's before we even get into what is it, where is it from? The very first step is can we just look at it the same way you'd look at a, a new archaeolo- archaeological site or a new species of spider in the Amazon? And that, with with this documentary, with Commander Fravor, with Bob Lazar, with the Pentagon in 2020 uh, releasing those forward-looking infrared videos, Jeremy Corbell, at the very least, we have to just start looking at it. And to bring that back so please go leave a positive review go i don't get any money out of this i don't this is this is me just saying it as a fan of this please go just look at it and just start getting it out there and if someone wants to dispute it on a scientific level that's awesome but let's at least try to bring it into that arena where it's not disputed on oh you ufos little green men have them take it down as a if they can argue it scientifically pay more power to them 
But I think that this phenomenon at least deserves that to be, you know, if I come out with a new magic medication, don't say that's not going to work. That guy's an idiot. Look, he's wearing a UFO sweatshirt. Break it apart in science. Have someone from a, a big pharma come and tell me why it won't work. But let's at least put it on the same playing field as other phenomena, be it weapons, physics, astrology or astronomy, biotechnology, whatever. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going on a rant now. It's but yes, please go watch it. <laughs> well, really appreciate that because, uh, you know, the, for, for your viewers, um, it really is a very heartfelt, dedicated grassroots. I mean, put together with I mean, I have to tell you, Steve and I, Steve Lance, um, the cinematographer, came to me. I actually went back to work at the Arizona Heart Institute Wellness and as a chief clinical consultant of the Wellness and Imaging Center. Well, I pared down the book, the best of what I found from the 750 page. Nobody knew what I was doing behind closed doors in between patients. <laughs> but when I finally came forward in 2004, and I was really scared, to be honest with you, because I saw what happened to people that came forward. It wasn't pretty. And But, uh, you know, my heart of hearts just couldn't stick it in a drawer. And I did think about doing that and showing it to my grandchildren years from now and saying, what do you think, right? But when I finally came forward, I couldn't believe not only... Did I, do I know when somebody's really read the book, okay? Um, but I had doctors and nurses pull me aside and thank me for doing that because they had experiences and there wasn't anybody out there at the time, 2004, to say, hey, come on, it's time we just get this out in the open and address it and accept it and study it so we can move forward and not only find out who's driving these things, but move forward in our own evolution. More and more people are waking up now that we have social media with uh, you know cell phones that have cameras in them, which we didn't at the time. People ask me all the time, why weren't there any more pictures? Except the, you know, the, the uh, mine are the only 35 millimeter, but the videos are only a handful. Well, we had those clunky phones at the time, right? that did not have cameras in them and uh you know who carries around a camera now some people did to take pictures of the Elbop comet that night and when they tried to take a picture of these massive craft that blocked out the stars it turned out black so they didn't have anything to even show for it okay um so the the bottom line is that we you know and i don't even think anybody would, would do it. I was approached by Steve after I came forward with the book and he says, we got to do a documentary. And his dad happened to be a doctor that we knew. He said, I'm coming to Phoenix. He was in California at the time, coming to Phoenix um, in May. And he had studied at the Brooks Institute of Photography in Santa Barbara, which was one of the places I went to have my data investigated and analyzed. And um, I said, whoa, I said, first of all, I'm working seven to seven at the Institute doing radio programs like this and, and, and into the night. I was presenting at um, Borders and, Bar and Barnes and Noble on the weekend. I said, I have no time. Plus, I don't know if people are gonna come forward. I didn't come forward for seven years. You know, people were telling me in confidence, which by the way, I take very seriously, confidentiality, when people does, do tell me a story. Um, I don't know if they'll come forward. And at the time, if, professors who are also in the documentary um, would even utter the word UFOs, they lose their grants. So I went to every single person, except one who came on later, said that they would do it. And then I got a sign. Some parents had seen me present at Barnes and Noble and invited me to their middle school, a very prestigious uh, private middle school. I couldn't believe they would let me in the door with this topic. Nonetheless, I come in 200 students and teachers and 
parents, you could hear a pin drop. And I realized for the first time that there is nothing, nothing in our history books about this topic. And these kids, after I finished, and I didn't have anything organized at the time, really, I just showed them some video and stuff, they wouldn't stop clapping. And I realized, my goodness, these kids thirst for this knowledge. And now, my, the trilogy, actually, I've been working for over seven years on a curriculum to go into the classroom. And it's very difficult to get that going, even though my other curriculum on AIDS and teen pregnancy and substance abuse were distributed by Discovery Education and got into the classroom. This topic still is, you know, not easy and we have a different atmosphere now in the schools. But so what I did for the 20th anniversary was do this book. It's called The Phoenix Lights, UFOs and Crop Circles Coloring Book, Graphic Novel Activity Adventures, of Sue Etho, field observer, and Hugh Etho, and he's a little alien, okay? And I had a Disney illustrator, and we actually had a pilot program in, in schools, uh, got the kids, you know, feedback, and um, it is, we have a colored version. This is, I don't know if you can see it, but you can look at look on, um, on Amazon. Um, the colored version is 160 pages of a graphic novel of, uh, the Phoenix Light story. We have the 10 different craft to color in. We have a map maker, um, a fella, uh, David Wisby from Denver, who actually came to Phoenix to scale. And we have those 10 different craft to color. Um, we have a whole section on UFOs 80, uh, I'm sorry, on crop circles, 80 crop circles um, to color as well. And I tried to get the most meticulous, complicated ones. It couldn't have possibly been done by human hands. Um, we also have iconic historic pictures for, for people to look at, including the buzz around the Capitol in 52. And, a, and we actually uh, got a picture of a uh, plane in World War II with the Foo Fighters and some other wonderful pictures. And then we have activities um, from word finders to uh, crossword puzzles to sacred geometry, and it's for all ages. I wanted it to be available not only for teachers and students, but for parents to do with their kids or grand grandparents to do with their grandkids. Um, it's really fun. I mean, it's it, it's the range of um, uh, difficulty for everyone. And, uh, and in that way, um, everybody could learn together and do it as an activity together. And like you said, which was, was really important, uh, Thomas, this, this isn't a joke, okay? There's, there's absolutely something going on. Again, I don't know who's doing it, but there's something going on that is beyond our reality cube. And obviously the Pentagon is admitting it now. And uh, you know there have been studies between sign and grudge and Project Blue Book, and we could go into that for years. The military and government have been studying it for many, many decades. Um, but now pilots, Navy pilots are, you know, probably some of the most credible people coming forward with actual footage uh, that cannot be explained or denied. And so, you know, I, I it is so, such a, a privilege and an honor to be able to share the Phoenix Lights with, with you and your audience and be able to um, get this one sighting that has become, again, the most witnessed, most documented, and, and you know, in some ways, the most important mass anomalous sighting uh, in, in human history out there in a credible and professional way. So I hope people go to the website. It's 
loaded it's packed with information to explore and consider not trying to convince anyone of anything if somebody showed me tomorrow this is what the phoenix lights were it was human made show me just show me okay in fact in fact three years after the mass sighting secretary uh um, barwood i mean i'm sorry vice mayor uh councilman bar was running for secretary of state to get answers for the mass sighting and asking for a reenactment which was great because it was i mean like i said i'm open show me if you did it shame on you for covering it up and and you know not letting people think that you know whatever um and going right over people's heads at rooftop level we have one guy in the discovery plus channel the rn who said that it was 30 feet above him okay um and and then denying it for so long but hey if it's military go for it well if you go to the news page uh, on the Phoenix Lights Network website, and there's a, a little triangle there that says AZ Family, you'll see that right before the third anniversary, we get this public announcement that three Air National Guards were coming into town to show everyone the Phoenix Lights. Now, whether they thought they would confuse the issue or defuse the issue or whatever, it was a joke. Talk about a joke. They tried to make a triangle. It was upside down. It fell apart immediately. Had huge smoke trails, just what flares do, and that really put, um, as I said in the in the decades program, the nail in the coffin. I mean, they had their shot. Okay, three Air National Guards. They must have been practicing for weeks or whatever. Um, blew it. Okay, to this day. The Phoenix Lights phenomena, which is appearing worldwide, okay, there are reports worldwide, um, it still is unexplained. It cannot be denied or explained. Now, going to looking up in the sky, I always say, tell everybody, keep looking up, right? Well, there are a lot of other things in the sky now which confuse the whole issue, I have to say. Besides um, drones, besides space junk, besides hoaxes, which are abundant now that we have the internet and um, frauds and all that. Um, and people professing, I mean, right now people are professing, we're seeing some lights here uh, the past month and I don't know what they are. I don't know if there's advanced technology from the military that they're putting out there now. I don't know, okay? It hasn't been studied enough for me to say that they're the Phoenix lights, although some people are saying that they are. Um, but I, you know, again, I'm a healthy skeptic and I'm very meticulous and scientific. I want to study it first and have experts in the field of optical uh, physics or whatever uh, tell me that they are true unknowns, um, as they did with my data, the 35 millimeter, and also the, the video, which was over Class B restricted airspace. I mean, it was over Phoenix, okay? Um, but at any rate, we're also seeing satellites from SpaceX. And a lot of people are seeing that today, uh, these days, where they'll see a stream of lights, which are very impressive, but they're satellites. Okay, um, I know we want them to be other than <laughs> like some people, but um, but they're you know so so they're all in the mix now. So we have to really be in this day and age very discerning, very critical 
um, very meticulous in our analysis uh, to really know if what we're looking at is a true unknown. But that's the beauty of the Phoenix Lights because it was before digital. It was be before um, these these frauds and these hoaxes were, were happening. And there's many other sightings and events and cases before the Phoenix Lights that are very similar when we didn't even come close to the technology that we saw with the Phoenix Lights. So thank you again for letting me share the data and I hope people will take a look at the at the website. There's so much to explore and consider and decide for yourself. Um, the book, which has much more, I mean, I just touched on the, on the uh, tip of the iceberg. There's much more wonderful information underneath the surface, um, as well as a documentary, which you can get free on uh, if you have Amazon Prime and uh, certainly the the uh, graphic novel activities coloring book for all ages. Dr. Lynn, thank you so much. It's uh, this has been a dream come true. Anyone that watches this podcast knows how how much I love the UFO phenomena. I'm wearing my UFO hoodie that I designed. It's I love this stuff. Phoenix Lights is my favorite one. It's my favorite thing to go into of all UFO sightings. And I've I've heard your name over the years concerning the Phoenix Lights. And I was like, man, I'm going to take a shot and see if I can get her on my podcast. So this truly is a, a dream come true. Thank you so much. I will link the books as well as the documentary in the description. And this is going to be the most difficult thing to hold on to until March 13th. But I'm going to... I'm going to exercise some self-restraint and not upload it until then <sighs> i got I got, I got i got 18 right eight no 21 days until then it's gonna be difficult but i'm going to try so well thanks. really appreciate you sharing it whenever that happens yeah. and uh you know for you and your audience keep looking up absolutely dr lynn you are my podcast is open to you any day of the week a day from now a year from now you are always welcome on here Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Dr. Lynn, God bless, and you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.